We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today I'm going to discuss the parallels between 1930 Germany and today's United States of America. Parallels economically, parallels politically, parallels in terms of national opinions and national frustrations. We're not going to solve this stuff by sticking our head in the sand. It's time we wake up and recognize the facts before our very eyes. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Today I'm going to do something that uh, I've avoided doing for months, if not years, on end. I almost never post something or say something or write something that plays the Nazi card, the Hitler card the Holocaust card. And the reason that I don't do that is I don't want to be guilty of hyperbole. I don't want to conflate our frustrations and our situations that we're facing right now in our culture, in our economy, in our country with those of the Third Reich. Because when we do that, sometimes we're guilty of actually diminishing the evil that took place at that time in human history by suggesting that we're suffering the same fate. Now, I do not want to be guilty of that, and I resist playing the Hitler card, the Nazi card, for that reason. I also don't want to be accused of exaggeration and hyperbole, making a bigger deal out of something than is justified. However, I think it's time that we start discussing these parallels between our current situation, our current culture, and those times that preceded the rise of the Third Reich in Germany. I'm not saying that we have a burgeoning Third Reich here in the United States. What I am saying is that the symptoms that existed before the cultural collapse of Germany in the 1930s exist here in the United States right now. A lot of the same cultural stuff is going on right now that was going on then, and we need to talk about it. So we're going to do so within that context. Let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to discuss a question I was asked just today on another radio show concerning Dietrich Bonhoeffer and what my answer led to in terms of my concerns and the concerns of several others that are citing data and facts, not just emotions, data and facts with regard to the current attitude of the United States and American citizens, primarily Gen Zers, and Millennials. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So I want to talk about this uh, comparison. And you've read it. I don't care if you're conservative, progressive, or liberal. You've read stuff that's being posted out there that draws comparisons between what's going on right now in the West, not just America, but in the West. Look at Australia and their lockdowns 
of really law-abiding citizens, citizens that are doing nothing wrong other than they don't want to have an experimental drug injected into their veins. You would think that anybody suggesting that they would have to do otherwise, that they have to bow to the power of the state when the state wants to use them as essentially lab rats in this drug, and don't tell me it's not an experimental drug, it is still only approved on an emergency basis. We do not know what the long-term side effects of this drug will be. It's impossible to know because it hasn't been around long enough to know. Therefore, by definition, this is still an experimental drug. The COVID vaccine has only been approved on an emergency use basis. That's a fact. And you're seeing more and more evidence coming in right now, even from those who just yesterday were accusing you and me of being conspiracy theorists for asking good questions, scientific questions, questions that were uh, grounded in the desire to see the empirical evidence, the long-term longitudinal data on this particular drug. We were being accused of being tinfoil hat crazies for asking those questions. And now you're seeing some, some liberals, some progressives that are actually softening to this argument because they recognize something is wrong. And Dr. Anthony Fauci has been lying to us about gain of function, about the discussions that took place at the front end of the pandemic as to how to communicate with the citizens of the United States and, and in the Western world, they conspired together, Francis Collins, Anthony Fauci, and others conspired together to lie about the origin of the virus. We know that for a fact right now. We also know that they lied to us about masks. They told us that they wouldn't work, and then they turned around and admitted, in their view, or at least this is what they're saying now, that, well, we didn't tell you the truth because we didn't want there to be a run on the market. Oh, okay, you lied to us. Okay, the li I've covered this stuff before. What I want to talk about is this concern that we have. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the fact that a lot of people have said, man, this just feels like something that we've gone through before. There's a deja vu uh, feeling when we read the news. Where did this happen before? Ah, it sounds an awful lot like... 1930s in Germany. Well, stop and think about the parallels. And stop and think about what Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned of when he said, not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. That's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So if you see something going on, that has the appearance of evil, you're obligated to speak, you're obligated to act. And if you don't do so, silence in the face of that evil is evil itself. You're, you're guilty, maybe not by commission, but you're guilty by omission of the crime. That was Bonhoeffer's point as he reflected upon the church's lack of interest and lack of response to what was taking place in Germany in the 1930s. He was saying if we would have spoken more forthrightly, and more quickly, we might have been able to stop this atrocity. All right, let's cite some parallels. As I was answering this question about Bonhoeffer, I engaged in my argument that I think Bonhoeffer speaks to us today because the parallels that we're seeing in the daily news between now and this deja vu shadow of what's taken place in the past are really quite obvious. Number one, the marginalization of people because of their appearance 
their beliefs and their heritage. Back then, it was Jews. You marginalized Jews because of the way they looked, because of their heritage. In other words, their genetics, their family, their culture, and who they were. Okay, because they were Jews, they were marginalized. You've seen the grotesque diagrams of what the stereotypical Jew looked like. You know, the size of their skull, the size of their nose, etc., etc. All of this stuff was racist to the core, but this is what they did. They marginalized people because of their appearance, because of their beliefs, and because of their heritage. Then it was Jews, and today it's whites. Whites are being marginalized because of our appearance, because, in many cases, because of our beliefs in, in individual liberty and freedom, uh, constitutionalism, in being um, colorblind rather than fixating on color. We believe that the words of Martin Luther King Jr. were better than the words of Malcolm X and Louis Farrakhan. Therefore, we've embraced this attitude of grace and forgiveness as opposed to one of grievance and revenge. We, we believe that MLK was right. We believe that the, the Judeo-Christian ethic is a better solution to cultural injustice than Marxism and class conflict and Islam or the karma of Buddhism, as I've discussed in previous shows. So this marginalization of people on the basis of their appearance, their beliefs, and their heritage, Jews then, whites now. You can't deny that. That is taking place. Here's another parallel, the purging of the military of traditional patriots and then replacing those uh, soldiers, those patriots that have served our country so nobly, replacing them with obedient lemmings. Uh, think of General Mark Milley. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is a man who literally called our enemy called our enemy during the last election and said that he would not obey the orders of the President of the United States if they were forthcoming. He called our enemy and said that. This is not a patriot. And that story just got brushed under the carpet. This smacks of the purging of our military, of traditional patriots and replacing them with I don't know what, but General Mark Milley is not is not the poster child of patriotism, of American strength, of determination to protect our Constitution, of his pledge, his obligation to carry out the, the wishes and the commands of the President of the United States when he calls our enemy and says he won't do it if that command is forthcoming. And likewise, you look at uh, General Lloyd Austin, who's our Secretary of Defense. I mean, together with Millie and Austin, these guys are more interested in the transgender issue in our military than they are in taking care of Afghanistan in an honorable way. I mean, can you see that when you're more interested in fueling the delusions that men can be women and women can be men, that you're probably not gonna have a very good defense if you ever do get attacked, if that's been your focus. So purging of the military and its patriots and replacing them with obedient lemmings. That's a parallel with what took place in Germany. Get rid of the people that actually would stand against Hitler, purge them, purge them, and then replace them with loyal lemmings. A third parallel, uh, we're doing the same thing with the police. 
we're defunding good cops and replacing them with bad ones. Have you noticed this? They couldn't get it done with defund the police. They couldn't get all of the cops to retire because of that crazy, crazy agenda that somehow you're going to solve the problems of Kenosha and Milwaukee and Baltimore and Portland by defunding the police. No, they knew that that wouldn't work. I would argue their objective was to get the good cops to retire and then replace them with something else, bad cops. If you couldn't get it done with the defunding the police lunacy and craziness, then do it through COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Get rid of them that way. So you're losing all of these good cops and you're going to replace them with what? We're going to have a police force that looks more like Mexico than the United States in very short order. So that's another parallel. Here's one. Class conflict and fomenting blame and resentment. This is obvious. What do you think they did to the Jews in 1930s, late 1920s and 1930? What do you think they did? They blamed the Jews for everything. They fomented this resentment of the Jews. They were responsible for the economic crisis. They were responsible for everything. They were the problem. The Third Reich and its proponents created this boogeyman of the Jews that they could attack, that they could flail away at and blame for actually the things that the Third Reich was causing themselves. So blame your adversaries for the very sins that you're committing. Sound familiar? Here's another parallel. Disparaging the very lives of those who disagree with you. I had a friend tell me a story this week where he was at a party. Now, my friend is, an, is a, he's, he, he, he understands medicine. He made his entire fortune working within the medical establishment. He understands this conversation very well. Spent a lot of time in surgery rooms, a lot of time in doctor's offices, a lot of time involved in um, cutting edge medications and procedures with regard to heart disease. He told me that he was at a party recently where the conversation turned to COVID-19 and vaccinations. One of his medical professional friends that was at this party, who's a pro-vaxxer and very left of center and progressive in his politics, actually said, if people don't get this vaccine, let them die. Just let them die. They don't have any right to go to the hospital. They shouldn't take somebody else's bed. If they're going to exercise their personal freedoms to not be vaccinated, let them die. Does that sound stunningly similar with what took place in the 1930s in Germany? You disparage the lives of those you disagree with by openly saying that they should die that you have no use for them as human beings. This is some of the language that we hear with regard to, oh, celebrating, for example, that Rush Limbaugh died, celebrating the fact that other people get sick. Do you remember when Donald Trump acquired COVID-19? The social media exploded with celebration where people actually hoped the man would die. This is not a civil society. This is one that's on the verge of imploding. Here's another parallel. Calls to quarantine or imprison those that disagree with you. I read this data to you earlier this week. 49% of all Democrats think that jail time 
for you and for me, if we disagree with the COVID-19 approved narrative, the Fauci narrative, the Biden administration narrative, the Francis Collins narrative, if we disagree with that, and if we post anything or say anything such as what I'm saying right now, 49% of Democrats think that I should be put in jail for saying what I'm saying on this show. That is frightening. Half of the Democratic base thinks that I should be put in prison or put in a quarantine camp or put in jail for merely questioning the government's narrative with regard to vaccinations. And you see what's happening in Australia and elsewhere around the world where they're actually building quarantine camps for people that say what I'm saying right now and question the government and refuse to be a lab rat on this experimental drug, for this experimental drug. 59% of Democrat voters would favor a government policy requiring citizens to remain confined in their homes at all times, except for emergencies if they refuse to get the vaccine. And then I gave you other data. There's a ton of information out there that says that if you question the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, podcast, or whatnot, that you should be put in jail. Another parallel with the 1930s is the complete compromise of the church. I mean, I've told you over and over again that the evangelical church, the Catholic church, the Orthodox church, mainline Protestant churches, non-denominational churches have bought the lie of critical race theory. They somehow think that it's biblical to disparage one group of people because of the color of their skin and to elevate another group over and above a group of individuals simply because one group has a different level of melanin in their skin tone? That's what the church is buying right now. They're calling for you to repent and for you to lament the way you were born and the fact that you were born of a given characteristic, a a given appearance. This is just one area of compromise within the church. The LGBTQIA identity politics, that somehow you can be defined by your libido rather than calling upon people to be defined by their Lord. Uh, fomenting revenge and recompense and, and reparations rather than telling people that they need to repent. You, not everybody else outside, you are the one that needs to repent. If you're black, you need to repent. If you're white, you need to repent. It's about personal sin. It's not, it's not about systemic issues. It's about you, like G.K. Chesterton said. If you want me to tell you what's wrong with the world, sirs, I am. Sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. We need to return to that message, but that's antithetical to what the church is teaching today. Uh, another parallel with 1930 Germany is the elevation of one race as being superior over others. Now, this sounds like something I've already said, but remember the concept of the Ubermensch in, in Germany at the time. The Ubermensch was the supermen. Uber, super, mensch, men, supermen. The Aryan race was a race of supermen. One race was superior to all other races. Does that smack of being very similar to what you hear from, oh, let's say people like Hannah Nicole Jones or Nick Cannon, where Nick Cannon actually says that white people are less human. He said that. Does that smack of diminishing one race as being inferior to another race? Absolutely, you can't get away from that. And then here's another parallel. I shared this story with you. I was actually told this week, I was told this week in a public forum on Facebook where other people could see it, 
You can take screenshots of it and save it. It's there. I've got it. I was told this, quote, as a white man, you should sit down, close quote. That's what I was told. Now, how is this any different than the, than the SS saying something very similar to the Jews? As a Jew, you need to sit down. Or the KKK saying that to blacks. You need to sit down. You need to go to the back of the bus. You need to get in the back of the line. You need to know your place. I mean, it goes on and on and on. These are parallels with the situation that existed in Germany in the 1930s. Now, am I saying that there's a Hitler somewhere in the shadows? No, I'm not saying that. There could be. There could be. I'm not saying that there is. I'm not going to be accused of hyperbole. What I'm going to defend is the facts of everything I just rattled off in the last 20 minutes. There's an article out there. It's way too long. It's quite lengthy, but it's very important read. It's in, uh, what is it? It's in a substack, um, and it's titled, No, the Revolution Isn't Over. Um, subtitled, it's None of the Fundamental Drivers of Wokeness Have Relented. The author is N.S. Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. And he talks about how so many people out there in the mainstream media and even in the alternative media uh, are being optimistic right now. Conservatives are being optimistic. Um, mainliners who lean right, or at least they're centrists, are being optimistic about the future right now. Uh, and I hate to close off the week by being negative, but this guy's saying the exact same thing. He says, you know, I kind of made a New Year's resolution not to write negative stuff anymore, but I can't help confronting what I see as a prevalent thread, a, a theme that is evolving in the media right now, where everybody is seem, seems to be saying that wokeness has peaked and it will soon be in full retreat and that we can, we can rest easy. And he cites the American conservative, Scott McConnell, who says, is wokeness almost over in his article? He talks about another article in Spiked where it says the fight back against wokeness has begun. Here's another article in the New York Times by Brett Stevens, why wokeness will fail. And the list goes on and on and on. He's citing all of these conservative authors or centrist authors who are suggesting that the end of the progressive era for America is upon us and that the woke movement is doomed. And this, uh, this author, Lyons, suggests that that is naive or it's denial. He says the culture wars are generational wars. He says that sweeping social change occurs in generation to generation. It's called cohort change. He goes on to say this, for most people, the formative experiences of coming to age are truly formative. In other words, afterwards, after these views in our lives have been formed, we typically don't change them the rest of our lives. And he says that the radicals, the cultural warriors, the Marxists, those proponents of critical theory understood this and they still understand it. They know that culture wars are long wars. They know that cultural insurgents um, win very few converts within your own cohort, your own age group. And therefore, you don't necessarily spend your time trying to convince the old folks to change their views. 
you focus on their children and their grandchildren. That's where you can establish cohort change. You can change the thinking of the next generation. And he argues that that has happened. And we can't ignore that, especially in light of the parallels, the overlaps with this deja vu reality of what took place in the 1930s. He talks about Generation Z Americans, which would be those born after 1996, that 51% report that America is inextricably linked to white supremacy. So Gen Zers believe by a majority, 51%, that we are a white supremacist nation. 52% support racial reparations. 60% believe systemic racism is widespread. 64% say that rioting and looting is justified to some degree. The list goes on and on and on. 51% that gender binary distinctions are outdated. And 40% self-identify as LGBTQ. Did you hear that? 40% of Gen Zers self-identify within one of the alphabet soup categories. <laughs> this is nuts. 59% support expanding non-binary gender options. 41% support censorship of hate speech. What's hate speech? Anything that disagrees with them. 66% support shouting down speakers that they think are offensive. And 23% support using violence to silence you and me. 61% have positive views of socialism. 70% think government should do more to solve these problems. Here's my point, people. We ignore all this stuff to our demise. Everything I just rattled off is not hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. I'm citing actual facts. I'm pointing out things that Nick Cannon has said. I'm reminding you that there is this fomenting of conflict rather than the preaching of confession. I'm, I'm telling you that an agenda that's grounded in grievances rather than grace is going to end badly. I believe we're on the verge of a national implosion. How could we be anything but? We're fomenting racism and revenge and violence. And when confronted with the facts that we're doing this, we lie about it. There will be blood. Mark my words, if we as conservatives win in 2022 or 2024, there will be civil unrest the likes of which we haven't seen since the Civil War. And why? Because you have Gen Zers and Millennials that are prepared to do whatever's necessary to silence you because you look different and you think different and you will be verboten. You will be expelled. You are unwelcome. They're prepping for this. You can't even argue against them. In fact, if you do, I think they welcome it. We're facing the same thing today in the United States that Germany did back then. We need to pray, pray that somehow we wake up and recognize that the heritage that was passed on to us by previous generations cannot be discarded so easily. Otherwise, we're facing something that's gonna be very ugly. Even if 
even if Republicans win in 2022 and 2024. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.